Tim Blankenship here with Divorce661.com for the Divorce661 Daily Perspective, Episode 50, Big 5-0. Oh, hope you're having a nice rainy, if, at least if you're in Southern California, rainy um, Monday, February 5th. Hope you're all doing well. This is my daily uh, podcast and video where I go over what I've done today to provide you tips and tricks, <laughs> things, uh, issues that my clients are having, issues that the reason people hire me and ask me to take over their case, issues people have trying to do their own divorce. So hopefully you can learn from their mistakes and you get it behind the scenes of what I do every day. I think people have liked it. And then I repurpose these videos and put them out um, with all the other individual videos so you don't have to watch the whole thing you can search through the uh, youtube channel and find other um, or if you're watching this on the podcast find other content specific to what your needs are um so um, i have uh, five big topics for you today i'll be going over and as always we always start off with uh the work we had to do today so topics are top five mistakes made on the on the fl 100 petition number two buying a home during a divorce and considerations on that uh, number three, importance of communicating during divorce. I'm going to talk about a case that they just I just saw just before I hit play or record that they hired us, um, but the issues they are having and why since 2019 they haven't been able to finalize their divorce and how I'm going to finish that uh, before the end of the week. Number four, where to file uh, your divorce case when one of you lives out of uh, state or in a different state and specifically if there's minor children. And number five, filing for divorce while pregnant came up on a consultation today. So uh, today, what do we have going on? Mondays are always busy. In fact, lately, just every day is busy. I work this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, just to keep up because I knew Monday was going to turn out this way. Um, you know, I, I told you why I do this. Uh, make sure to leave your questions in the comments. doesn't have to be related to the content, but if you have questions, I will record a separate video for you based on what your question is. Uh, okay, today, eight consultations. Uh, uh, all various counties throughout California had three new divorce cases starting from scratch, one in LA, one in Riverside and one in Orange County. Uh, one new judgment prep case. Um, that's the one I was just talking about. They just hired me. Their case is in Pasadena. I'll be taking care of that for them before I am done for the evening. Uh, prepped five judgments and submitted to court, uh, Ventura, Orange County and LA. So this is where I've finalized the paperwork. The parties have already uh, signed them, and I prepped them and got them out to court. The LA County cases are e are all e-filed, as you know, and Ventura, Orange County, I need to prep mail out, which I got those out today. Uh, cases approved. Where are we at here? Cases approved. Okay. The LA County case that got approved, I want, I want you to check this out. Um, I e-filed on, on January 30th, and on February 5th, um, it was, okay, let me start over. LA County case judgment he filed on 130 approved on 25. So five day approval, but keep in mind that the weekend was in between there. So really, if you remove those dates, there's really like three court days. Because we submitted the judgment 31 days after service and it's been approved, and their final divorce date is May 15th, 2024. So here we are, February 5th. How am I getting divorce cases approved now when they're not actually divorced until May 15th, 2024? It's because we submit the divorce cases as soon as we can for approval. With LA County, it's just a couple days for approval. In fact, I'm going to talk about another one where we just got approved the same day after this. But the uh, three-day approval, we turn it in after 31 days after the date of service, and that's just a few days later. So February, we have approval, but they're not officially divorced until uh, May 15th, 2024. But their divorce is approved. Nothing else is going to happen after May. They're just going to, that date's going to cross and they will no longer be officially married. Nothing else comes from the court at that time. Can you imagine 
uh, having a divorce case where you're really only involved in the process for 31 days and then your divorce is approved and there's nothing else else to be done. You have your custody orders, child support orders, uh, spousal orders, property division. Did I say that? All done, complete, and you don't have to think about it again. And then when this day crosses, mark it on your calendar, you're no longer married. Another judgment I filed today, um, LA County case, uh, on the day of the hearing. So we don't ever usually come up against hard dates, like hearing dates for clients, unless they are not moving forward, they haven't reached an agreement yet, something like that. And I don't know if that's what actually happened here. I think they were just a little... Um, nonchalant about the process. Uh, we filed their divorce, I think in November of 23, and they just got me their terms of their agreement on January 31st. And um, and I prepared all their final paperwork and their settlement agreement, but they didn't sign it and they hadn't notarized, e-notarized it yet. And so on Friday, just this past Friday, they said, hey, we have a hearing coming up. And I said, well, you know, get me your documents and I can e-file it and uh, the hearing will go away. So they didn't sign anything until this morning, uh, Monday morning, and the hearing was today. And so the e-signed, e-notarized, got that all in. Thankfully, it was LA County, so I was able to e-file that with the court. And uh, I filed it at 9, 9.56 this morning. And I received the approval um, at 10.03. And then the judgment was approved at 2 p.m. the same day. So um, kind of crazy with the e-file. Uh, this is only with LA County, but uh, it's submitted um, at 10.03, and four hours later, I had their entire divorce case approved. And by the way, they didn't have to go to the hearing. Keep in mind, if you're the reason these hearings come up is if you are not moving forward, they'll set what are called status conferences. And this is pretty consistent throughout the courts in California. It seems more and more that they're a lot sooner than uh, I, I think they were before. I want to say it was like four months-ish, five months-ish before you get a hearing, which I guess we're pretty close to that. Filed this mid-November, and here we are January 5th. So three, November, December, January. Yeah, three months. Um, but all these status conferences are is that uh, they are they want to talk to you and say, hey, your divorce isn't finalized. Here's the next steps. Here's what you have to do. No big deal. But you should take the call because every once in a while, they do they do warn you that if you don't show up, and most of them, are, you don't have to show up anymore. It's just a phone call um, and uh, the, just to get a status update of what's happening. All right, here we go into what's come up today. Uh, top five mistakes made on the FL 100. Number one, names not matching on the summons and petition. So I know I'm talking about the petition, but it comes into play with the summons. Um, people make mistakes where if you're filling it out by hand, they'll fill out the, the petition, the caption part. They'll put their names, not the top where you know name and address, but the caption portion where it says petition or respondent. It's like a third way down the page. They'll put like Mary Samantha Smith as a petitioner and on the petition and then on the summons that also gets filed with the petition, they'll put Mary S Smith and see the middle name is changed. One's an initial, one's the full name. You file your divorce like that. They're going to file it and stamp it, take your money, take your court fee, but they're going to reject your judgment whenever you get, end up turning that in um, because it does not match. And that's one of the reviews I do when people hire me after they just start, if they've started their divorce case, that's one of the reviews that I do is um, say you filed several months ago, years ago, like in this 2019 case, I'm going to have to go back and review all of those, all those documents. Cause if I just go in and, and turn the judgment, uh, I guarantee there's going to be a reject for some issue in the summons, a petition or anything they filed in the preceding since 2019, something's going to come up. So I'd rather take the time to review all the paperwork, make sure there's nothing that's going to be 
uh, a judgment reject issue, correct it now so I can submit it uh, for approval. And uh, on one, you know, one and done. I, I, it grinds me when I get a reject from the court, especially on a judgment that I know is correct. I'm not always perfect. I might, you know, one case out of 100, I might miss a, a box and then it'll get rejected. And I get so frustrated because it's just a big waste of my time and I should know better. But again, I'm not perfect. Number two, um, not addressing spousal support on the FL100. Um, people will make mistakes on either leaving it blank and they leave it blank because they figured, well, I don't want spouse support, so I'm going to leave it blank. They're not marking reserve, terminate, or none, um, or reserve, terminate, or um, any of the other boxes. They're marking none or leaving it completely blank. So that's a mistake. You need to address it. Um, so mark whether it's you know some now or never. Or, I mean, some now. Um, I want alimony. I don't want spouse support now or ever, or I don't know, maybe now. Maybe not now, but maybe later, and that's the reserved box. Um, adding property declarations. You know how I feel about adding property declarations to your uh, petition it is a big issue. It's going to cause you an issue when it uh, you try and submit your judgment because you're not going to, you would have filled those out wrong, first of all. And secondly, second, secondly, secondly, you would have uh, listed them wrong and you're probably not going to include all the assets and debts on there, number one. And then number two, you're not going to put the correct um, content from the FL160 into the uh, judgment and it's going to cause a rejection. The problem it causes for me is when I see they're filed, I have to cross-reference everything you put in these property declarations to make sure they're covered in the judgment. And if we don't, it'll cause rejection, even with a default with agreement. So I know I said there's going to be five, but those are the three that I wrote down. I guess I didn't finish my notes because there was a comma after that. Um, just make sure you're doing them correctly. You do get an opportunity to amend it once if necessary. But these are really the three things that, that could cause your judgment to get rejected. The big one is the names not being spelled right on the summons petition. Number two, buying a home during a divorce. This came up in a consultation today. Just some considerations to think about. And here's my notes. This was based on a consultation. They wanted to uh, wait to file for divorce. Uh, as they thought it would stop them from being able to buy a home. They thought uh, that it would show up on their credit or be some type of public record. But that is incorrect. Where people go wrong with buying a home and filing for divorce is by telling their lender they're going through a divorce. So that's a big no-no. It's fine to file. No one's going to call your lender from the court and say, hey, do you know, I see they're buying a home. Do you know that uh, they're, they're filing for divorce? Do you need to know about this? doesn't happen that way. Where people go wrong is they file for divorce and then they go to buy a home in the middle of the process and they're like, oh, by the way, I'm filing for divorce. And it's a red flag for the lender because, and maybe not the lender per se, but definitely for the underwriter, if that, that word gets to them, they're going to want the divorce to have been finalized. They wouldn't want to, because they want to see if there's any uh, spouse support paid to one part or the other to see if it affects your qualification. And they want different lenders, and this has been issues over the last 12 years, different lenders and underwriters want the divorce in a certain doneness, if you will. Some just want to see that there's a settlement agreement signed, even though the divorce is not finalized. They're okay with that. Some want the divorce to be approved by the court, which can be a problem, especially if it takes two or three months to get approved in many, in many uh, counties. And thirdly is they want it to be divorced and approved by the court and the six months have passed and they're officially be no longer married. So in the instant, like in the case of this uh, case, I was talking about earlier, how we finalized it today, judgment approved the same day we filed it. 
where they're not, their divorce isn't final till May, May 15th, 2024. Let's say they right now, they're like, oh, my divorce is approved. I'm going to go buy a home. And they go in and then they talk to the lender and they're in escrow and the, maybe their contingencies are coming up. They have to release them and they have you know a $10,000 deposit on the line. And the lender says, oh, I just uh, saw that uh, you're getting divorced. Send me a copy of your divorce decree. So they can send them a copy of a divorce decree because I have that. That's been signed by the judge. And that may satisfy them. But if this would have been any other than any other county than L.A., we wouldn't have this for three, four, three, or three months or more. And we wouldn't have a divorce decree to give them to show them that there's no spouse support or whatever the case might be regarding spouse support. So in this case, this is not a real live thing going on. In this case, I just want to bring this up as the issue. But what if they said, yeah, we see that um, your divorce is approved by the court, but you're not officially divorced till May 15th. And that's when we think that this court order is in effect. That could be a problem. How do you fix all this? You just don't say anything to your lender. That's where people get in trouble. They open their big mouth. Number three, importance of communication during the divorce process. This was another consultation I had today. This is a 2019 consultation that we had today where the wife had filed. Uh, husband had filed a response, but the response actually got rejected. So this was filed in 2019. And then in, when he was served in 2020, he filed a response, but the response was rejected and he didn't know that. Um, he must have found out at some point that it was rejected because fast forward three years and in November of 2023, he filed a response. And four days later, the wife tried to turn in the default without agreement judgment four days later, which got rejected and because the response was filed. So it's no longer, it's no longer a default without agreement. And the reason, so there, it was a big, interesting thing to go through an exercise because I don't see the, I, I don't see images of documents. I see the sequential filing of form numbers. So I can kind of see what's going on. So saw a petition, a response filed, rejected, requested or default filed, rejected. So that allowed him to three years later still file the response, which he got in just before the uh, request or uh, just before the judgment, default judgment uh, request. I'm sorry. Default without agreement was um, filed, which caused that to get rejected. And they're not communicating. They're not talking to each other. So one doesn't know what the other's doing. And so when I was telling him this, I'm reading the summary on this consultation. I said, oh, yeah, so your, your wife turned in the judgment again in, I think it was December or November. I said, but then you filed your response that caused, you know, just before that, that caused the judgment to reject. He's like, oh, I didn't know she turned the judgment in again. So because he filed the response, it caused the default judgment to reject. I said, well, that's fine. Are you guys in agreement? He said, yes. I said, well, why you guys aren't communicating since 2019 and you're doing independent actions. Your wife's doing independent actions. Call your wife. See if you guys, you know, sign off on everything. I can have your paperwork finalized. Well, I was just before I hit uh, record on this, he hired me. He said, yeah, we're in agreement. She agrees to sign off on everything. Can you please take care of the paperwork? I told him on this Monday, I will have his paperwork done tomorrow. They can e-sign, and because the response is filed, I don't need a notary. I can e-file their case. This was with Pasadena, and I guarantee I will have approval before the end of the week. So could this be you? Do you have a 2019 divorce case where you call me, hire me for a flat fee, and I have your divorce case done in five days approved by the court? It's very likely. So give me a call, set up a consultation. You can also go directly to our website and just hire me. And if you're amicable, cooperative, and all that good stuff, I can take care of your divorce for you. Number four, 
where to file. So this was an interesting um, consultation. I really had to put my thinking cap on. You uh, military folks will like that. And just so happens this was a military type case. Um, husband was deployed. Uh, his, his residence is where he lives when he's not deployed is in California. So we have a California case. Wife lives in another state. I'm just going to the state doesn't matter. Just lives in another state. I don't want this to be too personal. Wife lives in another state with their child for the last six years. So the first thing I said was, well, you guys should file in that state because California doesn't have, a, have any jurisdiction over that child because the child hasn't lived here in the last six months. And that's, that's kind of, I'm simplifying that, but that's kind of how that would work. And the issue with that, which I explained to him, is that because um, California doesn't have a jurisdiction over the child, there can't be any orders for custody or child support. I've had this happen several times. Not cases that I have filed, but where people have hired me after they filed. They filed a California divorce case with their children living with the other spouse in another state. And when we would turn the judgment in for custody, they say the court does not have jurisdiction per the UCCJA. They have not lived here the last six months. So no, there can be no custody orders. So that was probably, this happened several times over the years, but the first time that happened, I was like, well, what do I do? Do is the divorce case need to be dismissed and filed in the, in the, in the state they live? No. So what I did is I turned in a judgment without the um, custody and child support. And in those boxes wrote, California does not have jurisdiction over the issue of custody for the following reasons. They haven't lived here for six months. See UCCJA, something like that. And they started getting approved. So we haven't had that in a while. Um, but when this guy called, that was the first thing I said, and I should file in the other state. And he says, um, here's the other issue. My wife doesn't want to be the person to initiate the process. And I don't know what the rules are in this other state. But what he said was that the only person who can initiate in this state was the person who lives there. So she already said she doesn't want to be the party to initiate. He can't initiate it in that state. So they're forced to file it in California. Would, would the easy answer be just have her be the petitioner? Yes. Um, but for whatever reason, and I don't get in, I don't get involved in, in that part of it. She wasn't going to do it, but they're in agreement on everything, which is interesting, right? So I said, okay, fine. Here's what's going to happen then. Yes, I can file it in California and you can have property division orders. You can have um, spousal orders, but you can't have custody and you can't have child support. It, it, there will be no orders for that. And he said, oh, we haven't, we, I think we're going to put together an out of court agreement. And, you know, we've been fine for, I think a couple of years where they've just been paying support and working, you know, keeping her in the house with the child and so forth. So they're super, super amicable and they're okay not having a custody order. The downside is there's no custody order. So if there are issues, they would have to open a custody case in the state that the child resides. And that would be totally separate from the divorce case. So I thought that was interesting just because the way it came up and it looks like as long as they're, they're, they're cooperative and all that, I sent them a, um, a quote to do their divorce. And as long as they're both, I wanted him to check with her, make sure she's okay having no child support custody orders in their divorce and just having it outside the scope of California courts. Number five, filing for divorce while pregnant. So a couple times a year, this will happen where our clients are filing and they're, they're mid-pregnancy. So what do you do? Um, and I'm going to tell you what I did. I recommended in this particular case. So it just depends where you're at in the process. I was just having the exact thought of what happened in the last case. So we had filed and they're very similar. So I'm just going to say this is as one, but because they're so similar. Um, the mom was about to have the child in about three months time and the, and the divorce has been recently filed. And what I recommended in both cases was we just wait to file the settlement agreement and final judgment package and paperwork for custody and child support and custody, you know, and, and parenting plan and all that. 
after the second, after this pregnancy and the child is born. And here's why. If you turn in your final paperwork now, it's going, your child support and custody order is going to be based off the child that we know exists because we don't have a name or DOB, right? So what I suggest is, hey, let's work on your paperwork, work on the spouse support, work on the child support as if there are two children. And then we'll just turn that paper, we'll turn the settlement agreement in right after or shortly after the second child is born. All I need to do is, you know, we can do the calculations that there's two, two children. And then once the child's born, we plug in the name and DOB and we can wrap up their case. This case that on this consultation today was just filed in Jan on January 12th. They had filed, uh, not with me, but they filed on their own. And now they just paid me. I saw it to take over their case. And we, so that's going to be the plan. We're going to um, work on all their settlement agreement stuff now, spouse support, um, property division, child support. We can do all that with the assumption there's going to be a second child. We're just going to wait to turn in their final agreement until the child's born. And then we can include child support and custody for both children. So that's just some considerations when divorced while pregnant, because it does happen. It happened to me several times last year, and it's not a big deal. You just have to know how to handle it. Hope you enjoyed episode 50 of the Divorce 661 Daily Perspective. We will talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day.